What is up everybody? My name is Emily Jane Saroff, but you can call me Em. I am obsessed with all things spirituality, business, and personal growth. I started the Empower With Em podcast at 21 years old, whilst I was studying my Masters of Architecture at uni. It is fair to say that this podcast catapulted my life in a direction I never imagined possible. Soon after starting this podcast, I dropped out of my degree, quit my nine to five and started my own business and in just eight months of starting, became a six-figure CEO. Inside of this podcast, I share insights into the realities of being a 20-something-year-old CEO along with actionable tips to help you unlock your true potential and create a soul-aligned and impactful life and business. So pull up a seat, put on your headset, and get ready to get empowered. Before we dive into today's episode, I have a quick message for you. If you're an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur who is wanting to build a business in the online space that is in total alignment with your spirituality, physicality, energetics, and financial goals, then I want to connect with you. If you head to the episode description of this podcast and click the work with me form, you can schedule a complimentary call with myself to have a chat and start mapping out your next steps to create the business and lifestyle of your dreams. So stop waiting and start doing. Let's get to know each other and start turning your dreams into your reality business. If you're not yet ready to jump on a call either, then what I do is invite you to shoot me a message over on Instagram at EmpowerWithM so we can get to know each other a little better over there. That's all from me, so make sure you fill out that work with me form or shoot me a message and then dive deep into today's episode. Welcome back to another guest episode on the Empower With Them podcast. I am so excited to introduce today's guest to you guys today because she is a self-empowerment and business coach for women, an international speaker, and a former lawyer. She is a qualified solicitor in England and Wales and an attorney in New York. She has held senior executive roles in renowned international public listed companies in London, Singapore, and Indonesia, overseeing business development, sales, and marketing. Her amazing story about losing all of her wealth in 2016 to hitting her first seven figures in two years is beyond inspiring. Since then, she has invested in multiple properties and created a stream of passive income. She now teaches women how to build their self-worth and their net worth because this is the legacy she wants to create women who are tapped into their full potential so that they can be, do, and have what they desire. And with that said, I am so excited to introduce Mina Kumari Adnani to you guys today. Welcome, Mina. Thank you, Emily. So nice to be here. What an impressive bio, hey? (laughs) Thank you. You know, it it took a while for me to um, share my story because... Coming from an Asian background, women, at least during my generation, were not wired for success. We were supposed to be dependent on our husbands. And so for me to share my story about what I had achieved took a lot because I realized that if I didn't do that, I would be doing a lot of disservice to a lot of women who have dreams, but then curb their dreams because they didn't believe in themselves. Oh, yes. And I'm so excited to be able to dive into this conversation around um, mindset and success with you today, because obviously there's some major success that you have achieved in your journey so far. But before we even dive into that, obviously, I've given the bio introduction into who Mina is. But is there anything else that you'd love to share with our listeners about you and about your journey so far? Well, you know, I think a lot of people have a misconception about success and people think that success is a destination. It's a place you arrive at, but actually success is what you do in the trenches every single day. We were talking about it earlier about consistency. When it comes to building success, a lot of people do themselves a huge disservice by 
comparing themselves to other people and then thinking, why am I not there yet? Why am I not there yet? Without realizing that when you actually do that, you are putting so much energy into something that is not going to build you. And when you take that energy from that and put it into building your own success, you will definitely get there. So people really are too uh, consumed with the overnight success stories, but there is no such thing as an overnight success. You have to be willing to show up every single day to build your success. Mm, I'm so glad that you did touch on that because in the world of social media, it's so easy to um, believe that there is such thing as overnight success because, you know, of course, as a marketing tactic, like we want to share our big wins. We want to share, you know, if we make X amount of dollars in 12 months, like, bam, look at how amazing I am. But then people forget that there's also a build up to that point. There's a lot of like personal and professional development that has to go in. And that can sometimes take 10 years for someone to get to that point where they do become an overnight success. So I'm really glad that you did touch on that first and foremost today. And I'm really excited to dive deeper into this topic of um, mindset. And you did mention a part of your story is your cultural background and being really wired to be dependent on the man. So I'd love to know, like, what was your journey like really shifting that programming so that you could step into achieving the success that you've achieved as a lawyer, but also as an entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll share with you my story, but I also want to make sure that the audience understands that there is always a, a truth or a gem that they can take away from this. My background might be different. Not everyone comes from the same conservative background that I have. But one thing that I want to really put out there is remember one thing. If you don't have a role model, be your own role model. So for example, for me, when I was a child, I saw my mom, I saw my aunts, very, very dependent on their husbands and not just in terms of physical dependency, but mental and emotional. So as a five-year-old, I didn't understand when I saw that my aunts would be very happy when their husbands were good and they would cry if their husbands were upset at them. And I, it just didn't make any sense to me. And I remember my aunts who came from India, they said to me, would you spare one hour a week and sit with us and teach us Bahasa Indonesia because I'm I live in Indonesia, and I I said yes I was a negotiator since I was a child and I said yes but in return you have to agree to sit with me and explain to me some things that don't make sense and you know I, I was five so yeah. that's okay so we sat and then every time they asked me a word in English I would tell them in Bahasa Indonesia and then at the end I would ask them questions like how long have you known Uncle uh, and they would be like oh, we just got to know him. And I said, okay. And now you married him and came home. And th that was an arranged marriage. Mm -hmm. And they said, yes. And I said, what about your parents? They're like, oh, yeah, but we got married. And I had this understanding that marriage was a holiday, you know, and I, they would go back to their parents. And they said, no, 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 now we live with uncle and we won't go, go back. And I was like, something's wrong with this picture. And I said, how could you leave your parents who you've known all your life for a guy you don't know? And then my biggest trauma happened in that moment in time where they said, don't worry, it'll happen to you too. Yeah. And that really, really scared the heck out of me. And I was like, there is no way in the world this is going to happen to me. So that was my defining moment. And that was when I started thinking that there must be a way out of this. I just thought this was this whole thing was a trap. How is it that I was born and then I'm supposed to listen to my dad until I'm 17. And then from 17, listen to my husband and then die. And I was like, God, you are very unfair. I believe that you exist and you're very unfair because how could I live only to serve people without understanding why I was created and what my purpose was? And so after a few years, again, sitting around my aunts who really shaped me and my mom, um, I watched a Bollywood movie. And in the Bollywood movie, I just saw this woman who was a lawyer. I had no idea or no understanding what a lawyer does all I could see was a powerful woman who I had never seen in my life speaking her truth. And I thought, you know what? I don't think anyone can tell this woman to shut down, to, sh to shut up and sit down. <laughs> she speaks the truth and she's not scared. And I want to be like her. 
So that's the moment I decided I was going to be a lawyer. But throughout my life, I met with so much resistance. One of the resistance I met was very early on, a few months after that, my uncle asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, a lawyer. And he laughed at me and said, oh, you mean you're going to hang your degree above the stove while you cook for your husband? And, you know, as a child, you don't know whether to believe in your inner voice or to believe people who know life the way you don't know life. So that's when I was like, do I listen to him or do I listen to myself? But then I made a decision that I will use this particular conversation to springboard to success. And that was exactly what happened. I continued throughout my life. Every time I met resistance, every time I went through a difficult time in university, every time I became sick, I just kept saying to myself, you have to get there. You have to get there because that's the commitment you made. So that it's just that, you know, making sure, like I said, making sure if you don't have a role model, look for a role model and then be your own role model. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that story. First of all, I think it's so awesome that at the age of five, you were so <laughs> conscious. You know, I'm, like, I'm surprised myself, to be honest. I look back, I'm like, how the heck did I know that? You know, <laughs> that is amazing. And obviously, you know, um, I can see how now you're helping other women really step into this self-empowerment as well, just like you did um, and navigating similar, you know, not necessarily the same challenges, but similar context of challenges as well. And um, what I'd love to hear is because you did mention about having to learn how to actually navigate that resistance that does come up. And I'm sure there was so much resistance in that whole process of um, stepping into your own power and breaking away from like the cultural expectations of yourself. So how did you go or how do you go about navigating resistance? Is there a certain process that you follow or steps that you take to help you move through it? Yeah, I love that question. And you know what? Very few people talk about that. So I really love it. And thank you for asking that. I think most people are not aware that we are born into a world where the rules were already made. And these rules are made only so that it would be easy to control human beings and the larger population. But these rules do us a massive disservice. So unfortunately, when we're born, we go get into these rules and we don't question them. We don't question them. So if you think about it, as a child, you know, when you're born, you're a baby, you cry whenever you need milk. You uh, dance in public whenever you feel it's the right thing to do. You speak up in, you know, in public places, again, without thinking. But why is it that when we grow up, we start struggling with what is called imposter syndrome? Why is it that when we grow up, we feel less than or we have self-doubt? The reason is because when we were kids, we were very in tune with who we are, with our higher self. But unfortunately, we were slowly, slowly programmed to fit in. We were constantly told, don't do this, do that. If as a good girl, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be speaking up, you shouldn't be doing that. And so what happened is when we are still kids, our mind is not even formed or developed. And so like our subconscious program is developed at the age of zero to seven. So at that time, our our mind is like a sponge. We just take in everything. We learn through our senses and we don't question anything. But as we grow up, we've already developed our thinking faculty. We can think, but because we've been so deeply programmed, we don't question it. And we don't even know where the imposter syndrome came from. And so for me, it was really first and foremost, being very invested in growth, being uh, someone who's curious, who if, if things didn't make sense, I would ask myself, why are these rules created? How do these rules serve me? That's why I'm very uh, passionate about self-empowerment, because a lot of times we hand power to other people. We hand power of for our success to other people. We wait for the right opportunities. We wait for the permission to be powerful. A lot of times we also hand power to someone else to make us happy or someone says something and we get triggered. And once we realize that we have what it takes within ourselves, the power to create what we want, to be who we want, then we will be very clear-minded about where we are and what we want to achieve without 
thinking about any and all of the resistances that come in the way. So one of the things for me was, as you know, my financial loss, you know, dealing with that financial loss, it would have been so easy for me to be sucked into depression, which I was. It was, and depression is a sinking sand. You know, it's a dark place, it's a sinking sand. And when you continuously stay there, you just keep going down and down and down and down and there is no end to it. And I was there for a few months. But I think because I had this built-in resistance that I had used my whole life to overcome all of these things that I went through, I had to like sit down and say, what parts of me serve me? What parts of me help me to build myself to where I am? And what parts of me do I want to let go? Because if I want to get to my next level, up until then, I had built multiple six figures being in corporate. But how do I, I was 46. How do I build, rebuild myself? How do I build everything that I lost in 46 years? You know, it, the thought in, in itself was daunting. But first and foremost, that belief, that belief that I have what it takes. If I can get here, I can get to my next level. Mm -hmm. So thinking about how to get to that next level, instead of asking yourself the question, what if I don't? Ask, your, ask yourself the question, how do I? Because if you ask yourself, how do I? You're not leaving any room for excuses. You're not leaving any room for um, any doubts of what, what if it doesn't happen, but really thinking about how do I get to that place? And once you do that, you will not look at resistance as something which is permanent. You will look at resistance as something, how do I overcome this? Because it's not something that's going to deter me from getting to my next level. Wow. I absolutely love that. First of all, you do not look 46. I thought you were well, I am 53 30. now. I am 53 now. <laughs> Three? Oh my goodness. You do not look 53. Thank you. Just saying. <laughs> Thank you. I definitely thought that you were in your 30s. So good for you. <laughs> uh, I think it's the mindset. I... It's the mindset, you know, it's like really it's keeping, so keeping a very, very happy and being content. It doesn't age you because I think a lot of people don't know stress really affects your uh, physical uh, structure, including your face. And if you think about it, Emily, more than 90% of doctor visits, mm. and this is including heart attack and all sorts of uh, stress-related illnesses, it's more than 90%. So if you just take care of your mind, you don't need to do any anti-aging stuff. You, you, you've taken care of your look, you've taken care of your body, you've taken care of everything. I love that. A little bit of a self-care tip thrown in the mix there on the topic of mindset. Amazing. I will definitely be um, taking note of that because I'm 24 now, so I'm about 28-ish years oh. away and hopefully I look as Very young far. as you do. I'm sure you will. <laughs> so coming back to the conversation then around uh, resistance and, and programming, um, you mentioned coming back to your higher self. And first of all, I love that uh, question that you shared of just asking yourself the question of how do I get to where I want to be rather than those questions um, that, or I guess statements that really do build that resistance up. But when it comes back to coming back to our higher self, you know, that true self that we're born into this world as, how can we actually go about that? How can we actually start to break some of that conditioning that really has uh, allowed, made us stray from who we are at our core? I'm going to plug in my program here because I actually run a program teaching women that um, it's a lot of work. Uh, I, I run a program called uh, Empowered Women Academy. It's a six week program. And I'll tell you why I created this program. I didn't like one day just decide, okay, I want to teach women this. When I got into my coaching journey, the first thing I noticed was, you know, like, like you read my bio, I am very strong in marketing. I'm very strong in business because I've been doing that for 20 years, you know, uh, look overlooking $25 million portfolios. So I'm very strong. But when I started showing up in the coaching world, one thing that really um, confused me is that there were so many women I met who looked that like they were strong, who looked like they were very successful. But when I started showing up and doing lives and talking to women, I was consistently asked the same question again and again. And that's why I paid attention. The question about how did you, you rebuild yourself, not so much in terms of 
how I rebuilt myself financially, but even mentally, how did you rebuild yourself? How do you have that level of confidence? How is it that you are not bitter? How is it that you forgive the person who, you know, handled your finances? And then I just thought it's interesting because we tend to take for granted a lot of the things and the skills that we have. So most people don't realize that we're actually sitting on a million dollar idea. Most of us are. Most of us are sitting on a million dollar idea. But what is it that stops us from executing? What is it that stops us from believing that we can actually create that million dollars? It is that lack of self-belief. And where does it come from? It comes from this years and years and years and years and years of conditioning. And of course, in order for you to be able to shift that conditioning, there is so much work that needs to be done. That's why I made it six weeks and not like a one day, because these beliefs are like, just imagine it's like a software program. You know, even your iPhone every now and then has an uh, as a software upgrade, right? But we as human beings, we don't upgrade our beliefs. We don't upgrade our fears. We don't upgrade anything. All we have is these preconditioned beliefs that continuously play up in our lives. And we don't think twice. We don't think twice about why we believe certain things. We just, and at a, at a neuroscience level, what I think is really interesting is once you believe something, once you have the same thoughts again and again, once you take the same actions again and again, what happens is your brain, your neurons actually wire together. And they when they wire together, they fire together. That's why most times we don't even need to think about how we will react. So for example, let's say we were best friends and we were hanging out and I, for whatever reason, have an ego and never know how to apologize. And if you get, if you, if you were upset at me, you know that talking to me would be useless about this because I would just get triggered. Why is it that when I react this, uh, the same way in one scenario, I would react in this same way every single time? Because I don't myself take time to think about why am I behaving this way? Because we just assume that we are who we are. When was the last time you looked in the mirror and actually see yourself? Most of us, we don't look at ourselves. We just look in the mirror and we're like, oh, how do I look? How do I look? You know, I look fat. I look ugly and I have my wrinkles or whatever. And then we walk away. But we don't actually stand in front of the mirror and see ourselves for who we are. And that's, that's my biggest tip. You know, if you want to know how you can change first and foremost, be realistic about, not realistic, I will change that word. Be honest. Be honest about looking inward. Don't be scared. Most people are scared. Look inward and see yourself for who you are. Because unless and until you raise your self-awareness, there is nothing you can change. Mm, I love what you shared there about looking inwards. And um can we get a little bit more specific as well sure. with what that might look like in case some of our listeners are sitting here and they're like, okay, amazing. I need to look inwards. That's what's yeah. going to help me build my belief. What are some actionable steps someone could take to actually look inwards? Sure. Again, I really love that question. And every time you ask me these questions, I get goosebumps because it's so, it's so sad that this is something we didn't learn in school. You know, like self-image, our ability to have resilience. Mm -hmm. And these are things people need, even at a very young age. For example, applying for a job, mm -hmm. um, being rejected for a school play, friends not wanting to accept them in the inner circle. These are things we need even at a young age, but no one taught us this. So I'm really, really glad you asked that question. When I say looking inward, first and foremost... I always say practice the pause. Mm -hmm. Always pause before you speak. Pause before you respond. Pause whenever you are angry. Just pause. And pausing includes also you focusing on the first easiest way for you to know how you are feeling is to check in with yourself. Again, how many of us check in with ourselves? We don't. Mm -hmm. You know, just having you, even closing your eyes, putting one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly, just closing your eyes and just taking very slow breaths mm -hmm. and asking yourself, how do I feel? 
When was the last time we asked ourselves, how do I feel? We never ask ourselves that question. And then we expect that my husband should make me happy. My sister should make me happy. My friend should make me happy. But you don't take time to make yourself happy. So if you want to learn how to look inward, first is really pause. Second, check in with yourself how you feel. And third is a longer process. It is about really changing your belief system, understanding why you react a certain way. And I'll give you specific examples. Um, Most of the clients I work with, they all come from a background where they were wired for scarcity. And let's be honest, most of us are. I had to work through that mindset in order for me to build success. So a lot of people are also not, it doesn't come naturally for them to invest in their own growth because, you know, we are taught to spend money in the gym. We are taught to spend money on how we look. We are taught to spend Mm -hmm. money to impress people, but we are not taught to impress money on growing yourself. You know, and I spend thousands and thousands of dollars every year to invest in myself, to grow as a person because I, and I always say this, your next level cannot you can't get to your next level being the current version of you Mm. you need to be your next level version to get to your next level so a lot of my clients who start working with me for example are wired for scarcity they are not hitting the income goals they are not having success they are not um able to um well i'm repeating it but yeah they're not able to achieve financial success and the first thing i look at is their beliefs, their mindset around money, their relationship with money, um, the belief about themselves, where that doubt came from, and then working through that whole process. And I tell you, even though I love business, Emily, and I love being able to see women achieve their financial goals, what I really love, and honestly, I live for these moments. I'm, I'm running the academy right now, and I just started this week. It is so beautiful to see, literally to see the transformation before your eyes. I see women who've been held captive by their previous traumas of something that happened when they were kids, something that happened when they were teenagers. They have accepted that to be the truth so much so that in their 40s, in their 50s, they're accepting that as the truth. And that is exactly what has been holding them back things that they were taught when they were kids. And, you know, seeing these women who had like 60,000 pound debt to making multiple six figures, seeing women who are on antidepressants, being able to get off antidepressants, seeing women who were like, oh my God, I've been retrenched from my job twice. I hope it doesn't happen again. But then suddenly being promoted to six figure salary and meeting the love of her life. All of these things, Seeing that, witnessing that has been the greatest joy of my life because I know that every single one of us, we are wired for success. We are wired to achieve whatever we desire. The biggest problem is, and I always say that this is a conspiracy for all of us because we are not aware about how powerful we are. And the conspiracy is such because if we are, every single one of us, would become highly independent. We would become our own government and we really don't need anybody's approval. We don't need um, anybody's, um, you know, permission to be able to achieve whatever it is that we want. I love some of those questions that you asked there in um, sharing this response, some of those questions that you would ask your clients as well, um, because that really does clearly paint that picture of how we can start to move ourselves through changing our beliefs and paradigms. And it is so awesome. Like, it's just awesome to be able to watch someone transform before your eyes. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. My heart, you literally, you know, literally, Honestly, many times I put my hand on my heart. I just put my hand on yeah. my heart when they're, spe- when they're speaking. You know, as I told you, I'm running the academy again. And so what I have I did was recently, this is what I do. Every time I run the academy, I get in touch with my previous clients. Yeah. So even though they are no longer working with me, I love to check in with them. I love to see where they are. And I tell you, 
that usually sparks off another conversation. And then I get on a Zoom call with them. I hear where they are in their life. And oh my God, it is such a beautiful thing to hear where they are. It's such a beautiful thing just to know that the work that they've done a year ago, two years ago, has still benefited them until today. And to me, it's like, wow, this is even more powerful than me hearing people making multiple six figures. And like I said, it's great. But to see people being set free and being liberated from their self-inflicted beliefs and traumas is a really, really beautiful thing. Yes, I couldn't agree more. So thank you for sharing about your academy as well. We will put links in the episode description in case that really did land for anyone and they're curious about exploring that further. But what I love is um, even your own journey, even your own transformation with shifting your beliefs. And I was saying before we started this episode, I was reading one of your posts that spoke about making a million dollars was easy, but shifting your belief in yourself to be able to make that million dollars was the hard part. And I think this is something that I see so many entrepreneurs get stumped with, no matter at what business, uh, sorry, what level of their business they're at, whether it be making that first $10,000 or that first six figures or the next six figures. So I'd love to sort of hear what your personal shift was like, if there was any major lessons or breakthroughs that you really came through in your journey from going from multiple multiple six figure you know income earner to becoming a seven figure income earner yeah there is a lot like i said you know when you've been conditioned for 46 years to think <laughs> a certain way and then suddenly wanting to shift is not a an overnight process again we live in an era where everything is instant right you take a picture and immediately you want to have a filter and immediately you want to post. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a, in, at a time where we didn't have any of this. We had film roles, right? We had <laughs> negatives. So it's interesting to see how we have really been conditioned with everything digital to expect instant results. Everything has to be instant. So really becoming aware first and foremost that you do not expect an instant shift overnight. You need to be willing to do the work. And doing the work is a lot to do with you being honest with yourself and what I said about really looking inward. Because most times it is easy to deflect. We don't realize that we actually have inbuilt survival systems. And one of the things that we do is we tend to either keep ourselves very busy, focus on other things, or we actually even deny that there is a problem. Because it's easier. It is not easy to do the work. It is not easy to go inward. It's not easy to start creating those shifts. Mm. For me, what really made it possible for me was really to ask myself. And I think this is where I used shame as a powerful tool. I don't, I don't, I never believe that shame or guilt is a good thing. But here is, where I, here is where I used shame as a powerful tool. When I lost my finances, I dealt with a lot of judgment, you know, um, and I dealt with judgment my whole life because I was this, this you know, sore thumb that always stuck out. I, I didn't fit in with the women. I didn't fit in with the men. I was always very different in the way I thought, in what I achieved in my life, in what I did. And so I never felt I fitted in. And I, I struggled with that for many, many years. But I guess my financial success in a way was a blessing because when I started reinventing myself, I started asking myself, why did I want to fit in? I should be proud of who I am and what I achieved. Would I want to have the same life that everybody else had? And my answer was definitely not. Then why did I want to fit in? Because it doesn't really matter. As long as I accept myself and I'm happy with who I am, it shouldn't really matter what people think of me. But at that point, what really made it... Um, necessary for me to shift was that I dealt with a lot of judgment and that judgment was how could you be so stupid how could you trust someone else with your finances and you know what people don't realize is hindsight is a beautiful thing after it's happened I don't need a fortune teller to tell me right why did you do it I mean after it's happened of course I learned my lessons but I was also judging myself. I kept judging myself. I kept thinking, 
I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. Up until now, I built myself. I never worried about what people had to say. I had built this like gold at the end of my tunnel and I was secure and whatever happens, it's okay because at the end of the tunnel, I have that pot of gold. But now I've been traveling in this dark tunnel and the gold is gone. What was the point of the tunnel? So I kept asking myself, what was the point of that tunnel? What was the point of all that, that I had to overcome all the, all, all the, um, you know, I was ill in boarding school. I had to overcome that. I had to overcome judgment. I had to overcome so many things in my life, but what was the point? I kept asking myself that. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly I said to myself, you know what, how do I shift? How do I change the story? And I remember hanging out in my 30s with a friend who her husband cheated on her mm. and she had been bitter for years, Emily, for years. Every time I hung out with her, she would look at other men dancing in a bar or something and she would be bad-mouthing the woman, just assuming the woman was a mistress, just assuming that every woman, you know, is a whore and every man is, you know, I'm not going to use a swear word, but I never understood how a person can live a life for years being that bitter and unhappy. Yeah. And I witnessed that. And so when I lost my finances, immediately she came to mind and I said, do I ever want to be like her? I don't want to be like her. I don't want to spend the rest of my life talking about how that one event 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago killed yeah. me, you know, as a person. So I said, what if, what if, I mean, okay, I can't change the fact that it's a big event in my life, right? What if instead of telling the story from a place of disempowerment, I mm. asked this question from a place of empowerment? What if I said, you know what? Not Sorry, not a question, but what if I made a statement which was more empowering? Mm. And I started making up a story. What if I said, you know what? That one thing. That one thing that happened to me rebuilt me. That one thing was what helped me overcome. And that, that I was like, I like this idea. And you know, your body, your body is intuitive. You're, you are actually intuitive, but we just have these, our, our senses clogged up with all these beliefs. I started feeling good. I started feeling good. And I started taking, and I'm like, you know, let's be objective. Again, being a lawyer, I, I was trained in law school how to, think subjectively and objectively. And that really was something that I, that I used in my favor. And I still use it with my clients and everything that I do. So I was like, how do I get out of my subjective story and be objective? Mm -hmm. And then I, I was like a, an objective investigator and I started looking at my life. I started looking at when I was a child up until I was 46. And like you asked me, how the heck did you know at the age of five? I only realized that when I lost my finances, I looked back. Because again, we take for granted everything that we've achieved. I looked back and I was like, oh my God, how the heck did I know at the age of five? That's pretty amazing. How did I, how did I not get easily discouraged at the age of 12 when my uncle told, laughed at me? How did I, and then I started looking and I was like, I think I have a winning formula here because I have something within me that doesn't allow other people to define me. So what if I continue using this? And then I looked back at my life and in places where I disempowered myself, where I allowed myself to feel unworthy, where I allowed myself to feel less than and asked myself, what must I be? Who must I be to achieve that success? Because if I want to be someone to achieve that level of success, clearly, you know, a good analogy I use every time is just imagine that your life is one big world tour, one big world trip. You start from one destination with one suitcase. Guess what happens? Every time you stop somewhere, of course you will say, oh, I'm in Italy. I want to buy nice cheeses. I want to buy nice apparel spritz. I want to buy whatever, you know, nice designer clothes. Um, and then you go to the next destination. Again, you shop, you shop, you shop. If you do not stop and you look at your luggage and see what things do I not need, you will lug with you heavy luggage every single destination you go to. And before you know it, you'll already have tens of bags or even hundreds. So I look at my life like that. I look at how I can unpack. And that for me was a good time. Unpack what were the things that didn't serve me. 
take out all the things that were that is going to weigh me down. That's not going to help me move faster. And so this was where I was able to shift. And going back to your question, what are the specific things I did? That is what I did. Reflecting, looking at what are the things that didn't serve me. And more importantly, really investing in my own growth. And I share this story again and again. Within the first few months of getting into the coaching um, business full time, I hired a coach. And when I hired a coach, she charged me $12,000. It wasn't cheap. But... I also knew how my subconscious mind works. And I knew that if I didn't put myself in a place that was uncomfortable, I will backtrack. So I actually met this coach in person and we agreed. And she said she'd send me the invoice. And at that point, I said, wait, and I actually gave her 2000 euro cash. And she was like, why are you giving me cash? You can transfer. I said, no, I know myself because after you go, I'll go back to my subconscious setting. Uh, and then I'll say, no, I can do this myself. What for? You know, the kind of thing that we do to talk ourselves out of it. So she's like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah, just take it. And true enough, Emily, within one month, within one month, I was able to make $10,000 from a client. Mm-hmm. And it really just goes to show when you are willing to be uncomfortable, this is one thing most people, why do you think more than 90% of people in the world don't succeed? People talk about their dreams. People talk about their desires. But the honest truth is they are not willing to invest in their growth because it is so much more comfortable to be stuck. Because you know what? When you're stuck, you can, for the rest of your life, you can give a sob story and you don't need to take responsibility for it because you can just say something happened to me and then you continue to stay stuck. Mm. I couldn't agree more than that myself. Investing in yourself is major because it does. It pushes you uh, to stretch and expand and allows you to tap into a part of yourself that otherwise you wouldn't have been able to tap into. So I'm really, really happy that you brought that one up there amongst the many other golden nuggets that was in everything that you just shared with us then. Because something else from what you were speaking about that really stood out for me is when you were talking about um, using your shame as a tool and really looking for the opportunity that exists within the experience that you went through and using that as something to help you grow further forward. Um, So thank you for shining light on that. And it's really funny because I have my own shame associated with money management, but I'm on the opposite side of things where it was how I managed my money, you know, myself. It wasn't someone else responsible for the management. It was me responsible for the management of it. So um, I can very much resonate with you there. But at the same time, like that shame, as you said, like I used that as a tool to really help me find the lessons in that experience. Um, So again, that was so powerful, everything that you did share with us just then, Mina. So thank you so much for that. And what I'd love to do now is transition to um, a slightly different topic as we, uh, you know, move into this second portion of the podcast today. And that's because I know you work a lot with high performers, you're a high performer yourself. And I'd love to learn more about how we can actually succeed through being a high performer, but in a way that isn't going to um, lead us to burning out. Yeah. Again, I I really love your questions. And I'm not just saying this. I really love your questions because I think you really do know your audience well, and you really do um, ask the questions, which I think will really benefit a lot of people. So thank you for that question. Mm because there is such a huge misconception about what a high performance is. People think high performance means you're always go, go, go. And it's actually, it's the the worst understanding you could have about high performance. High performance simply means you need to be performing at your optimum level. Optimum is not possible if you're always go, go, go. We are a human being made of 50 trillion cells. We are one community in our body and we need to first and foremost ensure our own well-being. And before the podcast, we, we you and I talked and we talked about burnout. I have gone through burnout. You've gone through burnout and we know what it is like to be mm-hmm. burnt out because when you go through burnout, it sets you back for months and years. And the worst part is 
it is so exhausting. It really depletes you so much that every single day you don't feel like you've had enough rest. And and imagine that for months and for years. So I wouldn't wish that on anyone. So if you want to know what being a high performer is, you re- you really have to first and foremost put in your schedule time for yourself. It is so important. You may say like, what does this have to do with business? Actually, this has everything to do with business because if I'll use another analogy, let's say you are a racer, you're a racer and you have to race. Are you going to always abuse your car? Are you going to use your car all the time? Or are you going to ensure before the race, you really take care of your car? You're going to get everything checked right? You're going to get the tires checked. You're going to get the steering wheel checked. You're going to get the engine checked, every single thing. But they don't leave it until that point. They make sure throughout the time the car is maintained so that it can actually win the race. It's the same thing with us as human beings. We take care of our prized possessions, but we don't take care of our body. And we don't realize that our body is actually the greatest possession you'll ever have. And it's irreplaceable. You can't replace it. You can replace your house. You can replace your car, but you can't replace your body. And your body is what you need. Your body, your mind is what you need in order for you to perform. So if you want to be a high performer, first you need to do take care of yourself. What I do, and my morning ritual has changed over time. And this is a sign of growth because the more you grow, the more you change in terms of your ritual. I used to spend only like an hour doing stuff. Now I actually block out my whole morning. I don't work the whole morning. The whole morning, I actually either go to the gym or I do a very long nature walk. And then I always do yoga every single day. And at the end, I will do a meditation or something else. Right now, I go through phases. Right now, I do intermittent fasting. And for me, that's also taking care of my body. Because when I take care of my body, I'm taking care of myself. And so going through the intermittent fasting has been so great for me because, and I'm not recommending this to people. I'm just saying, check in with yourself, what works for you. For me right now, it works because my body feels good. And so I use it as a ritual because when I finish my morning ritual, that's when I break my fast the first time. And so, yeah. High performer, the first thing you need to do is take care of your body, take care of your mind. Amazing. And I'm so glad that you did touch on that there because, I mean, speaking from my own experience, the reason why I did burnout was because I didn't schedule time for myself. I didn't prioritize self-care. And actually the first thing that went out the window was self-care. Yeah, I need to put all my time and energy into my business. Exactly, we've all been there. (laughs) Right, so no self-care, no days off, no more gym because gym is a waste of time now. I need to be prospecting or I need to be doing sales calls, right? So I'm really glad that you did highlight the importance of time for self and being a high performer. And it's really funny. Yeah, what were you going to share? I I want to add one more thing, you know. Um, You know, you can create a ritual over Mm. any small thing. And that really will help you. So, for example, I stop working. I, I start working and then after a few hours, I take coffee break. I create a ritual out of it. Yeah. So coffee may, may sound like it's boring, but I actually create a ritual out of it. I look forward to having my coffee, either connecting with my family or sometimes I take my coffee cup and I go for an one, one uh, short stroll around my neighborhood. My neighborhood is very green. So I go for a short stroll with my coffee cup and just around nature and then come back. So if you really are very present and you really are very intentional about how you use even small breaks, so you don't have to spend hours on end, you know, to take care of yourself. Mm. The most important thing about taking care of yourself, first and foremost, of course, like I said, carving time out. But the second thing is being present. You can't, you can't really take a break when your mind is not taking a break. And the the amazing thing is, and I'm sure this has happened to you as well, the amazing thing is when you're taking a break, you have the most amazing breakthrough ideas, business ideas, right? Because your mind is not constantly being put under pressure. When you're not under pressure, you can operate out of flow. And this is the best way to operate when you're really out there just taking care of yourself. Yes, so taking care of yourself 
and being present. I love both of those points. And what I was going to share before as well is it's really funny because um, this comes back to like beliefs and programming, right? Like we burn ourselves out because of where our beliefs are and um, believing that we have to, you know, work, overwork ourselves in order to see greater results and all of that. And right now I'm sort of going through this um reprogramming myself to actually change the way that I view being a high performer because I am someone who always does like to perform at that highest level possible but for so long I associated high performance with that constant state of go 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 so I love how immediately when you opened up this conversation about high performing you actually shattered that belief for me and you really in that instance showed me that hey being a high performer isn't about doing more or constantly constantly moving it's actually about setting yourself up to be able to perform at your optimal level so i love that you it's 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 a difference between being a sprinting and marathon it's actually that's the difference if you want to be go 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 it's a sprint because after a while that's it you know but marathon is the long game so if you want to stay in the long game you have to really always conserve your energy and and also you know when you are when you really work on yourself, this is the most beautiful thing. You operate out of flow. When you operate out of flow, it's so much easier. It's so much easier. You know, this time around when I had my launch, I don't think I have ever been as happy as I was this time around. My energy shifted since my last launch. The way I showed up shifted the way I was able to serve people even in a free webinar shifted, you know? And I felt so good because in the past, every time I would have a webinar at the end, I would feel really depleted, really depleted. And it would take me days. And, you know, it's the worst thing that could happen because right after that, you need to have conversations with people, right? But this time around, after the webinar, I was on a high and the high lasted, continued to last. It wasn't a high and then a you know a fall like in the past. It just lasted. I felt very good. I was really very full of energy, full of gratitude. I was grateful that it was over. I was grateful that it affected so many people. People were very happy. It changed their life, even if it was free. And um, you walk away feeling, I really like the fact that I could bless so many people. Yeah. And then you are happy. But if you don't take care of yourself, you will just crash and burn, crash and burn every single time. Mm. And it's really awesome that you bring up that point of uh, being in flow because something that I've actually noticed is quite a theme whenever I'm speaking to seven-figure business owners is that topic of flow and like working from a place of flow. So I'd love to know, how do you go about finding your flow? Um, Actually, a lot of the things we talked about earlier was, um, you know, like when we talked about overcoming self-doubt, we talked about um, changing your beliefs, we talked about taking care of yourself. All of these things actually add to you being able to operate from a state of flow. Um, And I don't want to make this too much of a spiritual conversation, but the truth is we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. And I don't know how many people are aware of the fact that our body has many energy centers. We have a lot of energy centers and the main energy centers exist, you know, in the middle of our body. And we have eight energy centers there. What we are not aware of is that a lot of our energy centers are actually blocked. And when it is blocked, we cannot operate out of flow and unblocking the energy centers join my program, unblocking the energy centers really requires um, a lot of work because in order for you, this is again going into a conversation of actually manifesting as well because flow, you have to be in a state of flow to manifest, right? In order for you to unblock every single um, energy center, you have to really work through so many different layers of your shame, your guilt, your trauma, your hurt, um, and beliefs, all the beliefs that you have really taken on and made it your truth. And when you start working on every single one of them, and I think like none of us 
ever stop working through it, especially if we invested in our growth. Many people sadly go to their graves without ever, ever maximizing their full potential without even ever knowing who they are, you know, mm-hmm. but when you invest in your growth, you know that you never get to a point in your life where you're done because mm-hmm. you have to continuously work, work, work on yourself. And being at, in a state of flow really requires you to firstly accept that if you want to change your life, you want to change your business, the first thing you shouldn't be thinking about is how do I ensure I have the best business strategy? Of course, that's important. But the first thing you need to look at is how do you as a person show up as your seven-figure self? Showing up as your seven-figure self is not about you wearing the right clothes. It's not about you buying the right things. It's about you shifting your energy from within and shifting that energy from within is a multi-layer step because it's not just about you believing. That's why a lot of manifesting and manifestation doesn't work because people try to change things at a conscious level, consciously, oh, I believe this, or I, I think this, I claim it. But actually deep within, your energy centers are blocked. You haven't really worked on how to let go of a lot of the things. And actually, when you let go of all of it, you are clearing the channel. And when you're clearing the channel, not only can you manifest, but you can actually operate out of flow. And you know, I I have so many stories, Emily, of like how the things I've manifested. And it's not actually just me manifesting things for me. I have committed for the for a long time now that I'm no longer going to make my life about me. I'm no longer going to make my life about my success because honestly, truly, the reason I even share about the fact that I was able to hit seven figures isn't even for me. I want other women to know that if I can do it, so can you. Because mm-hmm. most of us spend our time on earth chasing money when you can't really take it with you. I saw my dad, who was highly successful, lie in his, you know, in his coffin. He couldn't take everything that he built. And to me, that was a moment of awakening, you know, like, what am I going to take with me? So what I want to take with me is the legacy I create, the lives I change, the people who have been impacted. I want to leave this world a better place than when I found it. And I found it in a great, you know, as as a great place, but I want to leave it better by being someone who contributed to other people's well-being, happiness, success. And so working through all these energy centers, being open and willing to serve other people, going back to what I was saying about manifesting, what I have been manifesting a lot recently is people just coming in my path where I am supposed to go out of my comfort zone and help them. And it's been such a beautiful process to actually see how the universe out of the blue puts people in my path where I have, which has nothing to do with um, with me. But then over time, I realize why they've been put in, in my path. So I think it's a really, really interesting process. Wow, Mina, everything that you just shared there, I wrote down rapidly myself um, two questions that you asked, which was how <laughs> do I as a person show up as my seven-figure self and how am I shifting my energy from within to align with this? So um, that in itself was such a powerful takeaway from me, but as well as what you just shared there about um, that great awakening you had when you did see your father in his coffin and you realized, well, all of his wealth, all of his material belongings of being left behind and all that he can take with him into that next life is that wisdom that his spirit did acquire across his journey through life. And I think that was just the most beautiful little spiritual um, nugget to add there to the end of this episode because all of my listeners are very much um, invested into that spiritual journey as well as, um, you know, the the professional journey as well. So I'm so glad that you were able to bring that one into our conversation today. And with that said, I mean, this has been such a potent episode. There has been so much value that you've shared with us today. So if any of our listeners do want to connect with you afterwards or tap into any of your um, containers, where's the best place for them to find you? Um, They can go to my website. It's strongandshine.com or email me, mina at strongandshine.com. 
Amazing. And I will put all of those details, your email and also the link to your website into the episode description. So it's super easy for anyone to find you. But Mina, thank you so much for your time and energy and presence today. I really loved this conversation and I'm so grateful to have connected. Me too, Emily. I really, really enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much. You are an amazing host. Seriously, you're an amazing host. And I don't say that lightly. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation. I think you are fantastic. You're really able to ask the questions, which I think people would want to know the answers to. So I think it's, it's been amazing. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. I really do receive that. So that's a wrap on another episode of the Empower With Them podcast. If you want more from me, then make sure you come say hi over on Instagram at Empower With M and let me know your thoughts on this episode. And if you love the podcast, then don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review to help us grow this platform. Now, before you go, I'm going to leave you with one final question to sit with and take action on stepping away from today's episode. How can you go out into the world today and do something small that will empower those around you in some way? Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming along and I'll see you next episode.